Hello, and welcome to another episode of Body Liberation for All. I'm your host and decolonized wellness and body image coach, Dahlia Kinsey. I help queer folks of color heal their struggles with shame and self-acceptance through nutrition and self-care so they can live the most fierce, liberated, and joyful version of their lives. This week, we have Aoife Sheena Clear on the show. Aoife Sheena is a embodiment coach and the creator of the Get Embodied Soul Dance Experience. Aoife Sheena has been a lifelong student of the human experience and self-mastery. They teach, coach, and consult on various issues and topics that involve being the kind of leader that cultivates and invests in their own greatness while being in relationship with others to support them in doing the same. They're trained for Formally and informally in various healing modalities for the focus on experiences and bodies that are often overlooked and ignored in the pursuit of mainstream notions of leadership, professionalism, health, and wellness. During this interview, we were able to cover not just the concept of pursuing wellness without pursuing toxic, white, ableist, heterocentered concepts of wellness, but we also got into some traditional African spirituality, which I am very interested in. The process of decolonizing your concept of self logically should include body image and beyond that, your concept of your place in relation to the rest of the universe. So that could be in a spiritual context. This conversation has levels. Let's get right into it. Yeah, they might try to put you in a box. Tell them that you don't accept. When the world is tripping out, tell them that you love yourself. Hey, hey, smile on them. Live your life just how you like it. It's your party. Negativity is not invited for my queer folk, my trans, people of color. Let your voice be heard. Look in the mirror and say that it's time to put me first. You were born to win. Head up high with confidence. This show is for everyone. So I thank you for tuning in. Let's go. Given name is Tamika. So uh, then what does Ifashina mean? Ifashina is a name I received from an elder during a ritual initiation about three, four years ago, and it's, it is Yoruba, and mm. it translates to Ifa, brings forth power and force through blessings. So, yeah, it's a name that a lot of uh, your, like Nigerian folks know, but yeah, it's, it's a spiritual for me, so that's why I use oh, it. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, I wanted, I have a lot of questions about what embodiment work really is. So can we start there and how you discovered it and whether or not this is something you felt was right for you right away or what was that transition like? That's such a good question. You know, there's lots of practitioners and schools of thought around embodiment. And I've seen an upsurge in the last like, two years or so of like language around it, right? But embodiment is something that I've been saying from a particular standpoint for me, probably since about 2012, just as somebody who realized that like, I was doing the thing that a lot of fat black femmes do or are kind of encouraged to do, which is like perform your confidence, perform your goodness. And it, I, it, I realized that, like, I wasn't really in my body. I was kind of walking around like that. And I remember saying to people, like, the same way you're wearing that shirt is how I would wear my body. 
I just mm-hmm. wasn't really in it. And so I started intentionally being like, I have a stomach. It, it's right here. It, you know, and really getting inside of my body. My intellect, my personality were things I was very comfortable projecting out to the world. But it, all, it always felt like in spite of this body. And so it's, it 2012 started like a real intentional trajectory around like, get in it. This is my body. I live here. <laughs> like, what is it yeah. like? And that is how I have and, and how I teach and move around embodiment. But again, you will find many practitioners that are talking about a very similar concept. And they're talking about it in the form of like trauma, leadership development, truth telling, you know, there, there's those other kind of intersections around embodied leadership, embodied, you know, wellness, like that kind of, if that makes sense, that, that a lot of the people, even some of my own teachers uh, that I now work with, that's, that's where they're coming from. Okay. That, so this is kind of a new concept to me. So I've, I've started to hear it a lot more from people who are working in healing yeah. in different parts of the country. Yeah. So I'm way down here in the South. So we get news last. We're part of the South. <laughs> I'm in Georgia. I'm like, okay. I'm maybe an hour outside of Atlanta, but I'm originally from the coast. So way, 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 way at the bottom of the state. So we didn't get a lot of news down there. So I wanted to know as far as using it as a healing tool, mm-hmm. how did you find the entry point for that? Because it sounds like this journey you started on your own and did it intuitively. Yes. So how did you learn to use it as a tool for healing? It's again, intuitively. And with the, the kind of other stuff that I was doing, right? So I have several healers in my life, including the, the sister that named me, Ifashina. I practice an African tradition. And so that some of that work that started back in 2011. And then I have a kind of like, I call her like my rogue witch. Like if you are a mystic and a rogue and you just kind of out here, uh, you know, intuitively to your point, getting your medicine and getting your life. So the sister who actually lives in Georgia taught me, this is the person that taught me what chakras were, what chakras are um, about auras So about this person started talking to me about the body as a spiritual force, right? And as a spiritual home. And she is my Reiki teacher. So I'm I'm Reiki master level initiated. And this person, you know, we started that work, like I said, probably sometime in like 2011 and Again, I've always been somebody that's like, I can't be doing something that I'm not, I can't be teaching people something that I'm not Mm -hmm. teaching myself. This is why I identify more as a mystic and an alchemist than anything. Because I'm usually medicine that I'm giving is some medicine I took myself first. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so I played, I have played around with the concept of embodiment before I found training in it for years. And the first training that I actually ever went to around embodiment, coincidentally, uh, is through BOLD. Uh, BOLD stands for Black Organizing for Leadership and Dignity. Mm. And it's an organization and an institute out of Florida that does embodiment leadership training for organizers, for Black organizers specifically. And they use a generative somatics framework 
And so somatics work, again, these are all buzzwords that I'm seeing a lot now, but they're also, they're new to me too. You know, to, I really appreciate you lifting up the intuitive nature of how, how I came to this because sometimes it really do be like that. You out, you doing you, and then you look up and it's like, oh, people have been doing this for centuries and you just kind of. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you just got the news. Yeah. Yeah. But that's so interesting. So the person who is a Reiki master, yes. who's one of your teachers, yes. do they also have a connection to traditional African religions? No. You've brought that together. Yes, I have done that. I have brought, and many practitioners of Ifa do Tai Chi, do Aikido, do bring in other forms of Eastern uh, medicine because Ifa is an Eastern practice. You know, it is, and it is an Eastern practice of enlightenment and being one with the world and the universe, right? And so all those things, they just, they tend to go together. Um, I haven't heard of Ifa before. So that's not a traditional African religion or is it? People call it a, an African traditional religion. I lean more towards it being a tradition than a religion. So oh, okay. Buddhism. You know, like that's how I see Ifa. Like it's a practice and a tradition. And when you are on the continent, they practice it more like, this is just our culture. This is just right. Whereas the way, you know, Western thoughts around religion is like a church, a book, a, a place you, know, you go, like dogma. it doesn't affect your, yeah. Dogma, not necessarily something that affects every day. That's right. That's right. So have you found anything? Well, what part of the continent does it come from? Do you know? So Ifa, Ifa is historically kind of, given like credit for coming from Nigeria right okay so this legitimately could be something your ancestors practice because it's on the west coast but the way we practice it here and the way it's practiced all over the world is about it being mixed with the indigenous people of the land and the colonizer mixed with the African people so you've heard of Condomble or Mm -hmm. Sanderia that's because of where the slave ships landed right so Condomble, Santeria is about the parts of Central America and then the indigenous people and the African people and the colonizer are all coming together. That's what it looks like there. Whereas oh. in the, uh, North America here in the United States, it, we call it Ifa and it looks on some level like what they might practice in Nigeria, but it ain't what they practice in Nigeria. <laughs> like theirs is very different than how we do it here. Gotcha. Oh, well, that's really neat, though, because it is interesting to see how the diaspora connects. Yes. Because it it could be a cousin, it could be an uncle that got dropped at one port, and then the rest of the family got dropped at another port. So it makes sense to have shared traditions. But then to accept that naturally it evolves because we are not what our ancestors were, because now we're blended with the colonizer and with the indigenous people that makes and, a lot of sense and the, the fact of having to hide it you know so I, I am a firm believer that the reason that the black church is the way it is is because it's some Ifa in there it's some congo in there it's some like you know what i mean i really yeah. believe that our, our folks hid our traditions in the black church experience that's, a, that's my conspiracy kind of, you know. Well, did you have a positive experience with the Black church growing up? I grew up Muslim. Um, oh, father, that's different. My father practiced Islam. And so I did have a positive experience in that the other people in my family, you know, grandmothers and, and stuff like that, they practiced Christianity and I went to church with them. But my primary practice um, and religious belief 
from about age 10 to 17 was Islam. So I have, I have a loving, respectful relationship with both Black Christianity and the church, even as a queer person, and with Islam. They're, they're foundational practices for me. But I, I mostly practice Ifah now, kind of in. Oh, okay. But you really haven't completely, you didn't feel the need to turn away from Islam. There is room for queerness. Oh, absolutely. There's room for queerness. And because, uh, again, for me, the I'm, again, primarily a mystic and an alchemist. So I'm going to come into anything and, and I'm going to purify and pull out the impurities, you feel me, mm-hmm. and, and make it what I need. I, I'm, my relationship and connection is to the divine. And so I can see the divine in anything. I mean, at 10 years old, you know, this was the rule. This was my father practiced Islam. His family had to practice. I found divinity in it. You know, once I became kind of like, you know, my own consciousness and making decisions for myself at around 17, I discovered conviction. I didn't really know what that was until about 17. And I felt it in a Christian church. And so I converted and I stayed in Christianity for many years, many, many years from about 17 to, like I said, 2011, I think I was about 27, 28. And then that's, that's when I started asking this question, you know, what did my ancestors practice before they were colonized? Like, you know, and really feel like I have found some semblance of a reconnect to that, you know, which is nine out of 10, some sort of ATR, <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Earth-based, what many of us call earth-based practice, some sort of practice around their enlightenment and their connection to their ancestors and to the earth and to the divine. And Ifa is what has stuck and has stayed with me. And I got initiated in 2017 to, to be a priest. So I'm a priest in training right now. Oh, wow. And how did, sometimes it can be hard to step into your own when your parents maybe were hoping you were going to be more like a mini them and have exactly the same beliefs and everything. Was that difficult to explain that you were feeling called to convert to another religion? No, because my father knew he had deviated from Christianity, right? So he was oh, okay. Cool. And my mother is a Christian heretic. She might not call herself that, but I do. You know, <laughs> my mom is very like she she thinks that people use the Bible a lot of context. You know, she <laughs> she have a lot of critiques around the way people deal with charity. You know, in the church. So she there's still a belief in Jesus, but she's often very critical of the way that she feels like Christians behave. And so the stuff that I say to her, I think if I was doing stuff that she was like, you hurting people, are you doing something, you know, but because of the way I, the way that this tradition has impacted me, she just accepts it. You know, she's like, you seem like a lovely human being doing whatever you're doing. So, you know, she, they're cool. They're both cool. Oh, that's so nice to have that level of freedom. Now, when it comes to the initiation, it seems for me, it feels intimidating, these traditional African religions, but I love the concept of being able to connect with something that was created with your ancestors in mind instead of other religions that come from the colonizer. I always have concerns that maybe because they were initiated to keep people like me in place, maybe not just for us, but because that is there in the history, I wonder how much it can serve me for my spiritual evolution. Yes. How do you get started trying to connect to 
traditions that, you know, maybe you've lost a connection to, especially if you don't have the language in common with the Holy Scriptures, or actually, I don't know, are these faiths that have traditional texts, or it's more you understand the religion through hearing it from an elder? The way that my practice and the community that I'm in practices is there's a mix. There are some texts um, that have been recorded over over years from elders that have you know been initiated and been practicing for many years. And there is a strong, strong invocation, incantation aspect to it, an oral tradition to it. And that's why I compare it to Buddhism or even Tai Chi more than I do Christianity or Islam, right? Like it's just not like a traditional Abrahamic religion. The, you, you do this tradition in community, you know? Mm. You do it with elders. You do it with people that are gonna, that you're gonna be an apprentice or some sort of student of. You are bowing to a master and you are bowing to mastery, right? Of self, self-mastery and mastery of being in relationship with the world around you. And so, yeah, you gotta find teachers and somebody that you're gonna feel that way about, right? Somebody that you feel like you'll be willing to bow to. And that's difficult to find, you know? It's the way we move around churches sometimes because we like, we need to feel more in alignment with the pastor. It's a very similar thing. It just has an intimacy, in my opinion, it has an intimacy that is similar to like an Aikido instructor right? Mm-hmm. Someone that you're going to be working with and that's going to help you figure out your form, your path, your, your gifts, your medicine in the world. And so it's very intimate and very individualized, even though there are traditions that are older than, you know, Christianity, for, <laughs> for lack of a better way to put it. Oh, that's really interesting. And because colonization interrupted community for uh-huh. people of color, that's something that a lot of us have a lot of trauma around. Right. The idea of being in community together, it's a, it's, it's a tough one. A so did you, you didn't really have any of that to work through? Oh, child, please, yes. And still, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I have a lot of elders, though. You know, I just, I talked to you about two just at the beginning of this conversation. And I have elders from different practices, different schools of thought. And eldership is something that I care a lot about and that I find a lot of value um, in. And so even when I think about the practice of embodiment, right, like, for me, that is a lot of what this tradition is about. There's a term called iwapuele, and it is the belief of walking in full, upright, balanced character, right? It's not something that you just say somebody had, like you don't, you can say you a Christian, but you can't say you got Iwapole. Like, Mm. you know what I mean? You can say you're a devotee of this tradition, but it don't mean you got Iwapole. Like, you are really striving to get there. There's work that you're trying to do. And so when I think about that in relationship to elders, like I had to let go of perfectionism, you know, trying to see my elders as perfect, trying to see them as not human. These are not gods inside of people, you know. These are people having a human experience right along with me. And I had to take a lot more responsibility for my own experience and my own, like, uh, salvation, 
you know, because mm-hmm. we talk about salvation just as Christians, but that's, to me, that word doesn't have a religious context to it. It's like, it's that inner piece of us that's like trying to get in touch with something that's bigger than us and that is trying to do right here in the world. And so that's, again, this is something that I recognize as I begin to lean into embodiment. I was like, it's not, I don't feel good as a disembodied person. I feel separated from myself, a key place of myself, which is my home, my vessel, you know? And so that, that has been a huge part of Iwapele for me, of getting into right and balanced character is like this body right here, just like this, am I in it? Am I, and do I have a good relationship with it? I mean, that has been, and, and I'm, may, I'm connecting the concepts because they connect for me. That if I can have this kind of an image and a relationship with myself, then I can look at someone that I'm calling an elder or a master, right? And actually bow like I can, because mm-hmm. I'm, look, I'm looking at that person with their humanity intact, with their flaws intact. And I know that they are just a teacher and a vessel. They are not the path to the divine. And I don't do that to them or me. Oh, that's deep. Because I know sometimes if you're thinking about the Holy Spirit in a more like Judeo-Christian context, you think that's going to make people who are leaders in the church at least appear perfect. They're in service to the congregation or whatever. So people easily are stumbled by any evidence of humanity and you're like i'm out of here and go to the next place right so oh that's really interesting and when it comes to your relationship with your body i never thought about that being a key to spiritual evolution so to you what does having a good relationship with your body enable you to do in life mm-hmm. and what does What's impossible to achieve if you cannot accept or be in relationship with your body? Man, I love this question because being in relationship with my body has made me, like has has allowed me to have space for my own miraculousness. Mm -hmm. Like the body is miraculous, straight up. It's doing all kinds of stuff right now while me and you talking that we are not instructing, <laughs> you know, that we don't, we don't have no power or control over and we don't have no say, you know what I mean? If your heart is beating, it's beating and it's, it is grace <laughs> that it's beating. That's, you know what I mean? And that's, that's something that I really hold true to. And so again, in a lot of traditions and a lot of practices and schools of thought and stuff, we're taught to look outside for those kinds of concepts. But we've been gifted with this miraculous vessel that is such a lesson in that, you know what I mean? And so being able to be in touch with my own miraculousness has helped me be like, oh, I am precious. I am worthy. I'm divine. I'm connected to something larger than me. I'm not in control. Do you see what I'm saying? And I'm right. and all of that is, is helping me get into align with something like humility which is not the same as humiliation, right? Which is not the same as being submissive. It's like, it's aligned. There's an alignment. And so the more that I practice being with this body, the way it is, you know what I mean? That I'm, I'm in touch with that in a way that I feel like is really, really important. And this, this is part of the reason why in my practice, 
you know, the whole get embodied soul dance experience and the work that I'm doing that the, it centers fat, disabled, and black people. That these bodies by themselves, right? Fat bodies, black bodies, disabled bodies. These are bodies that is very easy to, and not even just easy, like our culture promotes and lifts up deficit right, around these, these three different bodies, a fat body, a black body, a disabled body. And so the messages that we're constantly getting is fix it, mm. fix it, fix it, get well, get better, get slim, get white, you know what I'm saying? Well, get, I was going to say, how does yeah. one fix a black body? Uh, but They can get, get it whiter, you know? Yeah, it, actually. It, mm. Look whiter, shape it, to, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, straighten your hair, bleach uh-huh. your skin. Uh-huh you know, slim it. And when I say shape, I really mean black bodies come in beautiful, various shapes. But the narrative is usually the way that our black bodies naturally are. There's something about it. You know, think about slavery and the way that they, you know, that time period, the way that they paraded black bodies around, they literally saw our bodies as cattle. You know, they treated us like cattle and saw us as merchandise. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever. And that has seeped down over generations. And, and so, deliberately created divisions or a perception of division yes. in between yes. body types among races, which technically don't even exist. It's don't just a social exist. construct. But you really do have this stereotype of, oh, a black body is going to have curves in these places and extra fat in these places. And, right. and if yeah. you don't do something wrong with it. Right. It's mm. not that. It's oh problem. yeah, that's funny. You know? Yeah, because when I was growing up, early puberty, I was skinny as a rail, and all I ever heard about was how, like, what what happened to your butt? Where'd you leave it? Oh, you're not really butt because you don't have enough of a butt. And yeah, there was like a lot of a lot of, I, I don't want to call it bullying because it didn't really hurt my feelings, but it was like a broken record that apparently my body was not black enough. Yes. Even though I feel like I am black, everything I do is black, everything my body does is black. I don't need to do anything special. That part. So like, I, sometimes I feel like I'm preaching, but I am because I, I think, and I don't mean to preach in a, in a negative connotation, but just really in a these messages about these three different bodies specifically come from a similar source, come from the same place, right? Which is like a, a particular kind of, you know, white supremacist notion of good, mm. normal, you know? And so we don't have the same notion of well that other people do. And so for, again, for me, when it comes to the practice around embodiment, very specifically and being with this body, I'm like, yeah, I get to be well in this body, in this fat body, in this disabled body, in this black body. And especially if my body has all three of those intersections. If I'm a fat, black, disabled person, I get to be well. Where sometimes we talk about those things that strikes against us. And I'm like, they're not strikes. There is no strikes. (laughs) Again, these bodies are miraculous. They're Mm -hmm. doing some miraculous, wonderful, amazing things. So I actually get to be in relationship with my body from that belief. So that's why for me, the goal and the practice that I've created, rooted, to, to be quite honest, in African tradition. 
So the dance moves and the moves and the philosophy that I come from in my practice is rooted in Black dance, Black social dance, and Afrobeat movements. The, some of the other stuff that I was talking to you about, Ifa, you know, Reiki, all these things that I'm like, there is one million schools of thought that say our bodies do some miraculous things, but ain't nobody talking specifically to black bodies, specifically to disabled bodies, and specifically to fat bodies and saying your wellness for you actually isn't fix it. Mm. That ain't wellness. Wellness for you is love it, enjoy it, honor its yes, honor its limitations. Imagine that. Imagine honoring your body's limitations and that being a relationship with it that is loving. Because think about what we do with a, a little kid. If a little kid can't do something, we don't go, you stupid idiot. Right. You we go, honey, you just can't. You're not tall enough. Imagine, <laughs> and that, honey, your, your arm isn't long enough. It's, and, and we're just like, it's okay. Don't beat yourself up. We need to do the same thing with our bodies. Regardless as to how old we get, your body don't do that. And that's okay. You still get to enjoy it. You still get to enjoy your body. You still get to be one with your body. And so instead of saying, putting on things like fitness, right? And putting on things like weight loss, mm-hmm. or even putting on things like heal, because heal is a complicated thing when you're disabled or when you're sick. It's a complicated thing. You know, people try to act like, you know, you should want to not be disabled. And I just don't believe that. I just don't believe, I don't believe that there is a, a goal for someone who is fat, disabled, or black, that they're supposed to be trying to not be those things. I think Well, that, especially when some things just, they cannot, it just is. Right. Like, and it needs to be neutral. And, and celebrate. When there you go. Yeah. Because when it cannot be changed, the problem is not the body. The problem is how the surrounding environment is interacting with or not working with that body. Right. Yes. So it does no good to focus on trying to change the body because it just is, but we could, you know, have better access for people who can't stand for long periods yes. or who are not visibly disabled, but can't stand for long periods. People don't want to give anything to people who are not visibly disabled. And, it, and those systems are running everything. They're running the way we see jobs. They're running the way we see education. They're running the way we see healthcare. That again, this is why I feel like a practice, something that somebody can come back to all the time that is really rooted in, you know, this body is precious. This body is holy, is sacred. I have fun with it. I enjoy it. Like that, that it's like, it's to me, it feels necessary, you know, to have a practice like that when you're living in these conditions. Mm. You know? That's really how, that's really how I, feel. I created this practice with that in mind. The conditions that we're living in require that we have something specifically for us so that we can live in this, these conditions in this circumstance. I mean, I absolutely agree with that. It's so interesting. I was just talking about this a couple of days ago on another show when people say, oh, well, why do you have these resources that specifically target you know, these marginalized groups? groups it's because it's necessary for survival yes it isn't exclusionary it's people thinking about the survival of 
the communities they belong to and their own survival. No one else is going to create it. Who better than a member of that community to create it? And it is so interesting. You see all these resources around that don't speak to certain people. And that was one of my things with this podcast as a dietitian. I don't really see anyone creating self-care tools for queer folks and people of color yes. and heaven forbid, if you're both of those things at the same time, Yes. well, then you can't have nothing. Apparently brilliant <laughs> people like you say you deserve. I, again, I see your preciousness. I see your miraculousness. I'm going to create something, some space, some corner for you to have access to something that says and affirms how wonderful and amazing you are. And I, that's where Get Embodied came from, like for me, like wanting to make sure that people have that space and that they have a practice, that they have something. Because again, when I think about the way that yoga was created or even Tai Chi, I was like, there's got to be a practice that like Black folks have access to. And so again, I'm like, oh, it's dance. (laughs) it's like black folks we traditionally on the continent and also on this particular continent we dance when we're happy we dance to celebrate we dance to celebrate life we dance when there's war we dance for spiritual reasons like movement is something that we do to communicate and be in relationship with each other so that's the other reason that I used and created this particular practice because I'm like it's black Mm. Yeah, it is. And you said it has like, did you say partner dancing or what? So the, the moves, so there's two things. There's, I use social dance. That's what I, you said. Yeah. So what so, is social dance? You know, like the electric slide. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. You know, line dances or even, you know, the do the nay nay and all that. These dances that if you say it, everybody knows what it is and we do it. And mostly the line dancing um, in my space. And then the Afrobeat, which is a mix for me. You know, Afrobeat is a mix of like a lot of like traditional African moves, but like kind of in a contemporary form. So, you know, Afrobeat moves are something that you see a lot of younger Africans all across the continent doing, but that you also see uh, young Black African-Americans and and, uh, descendants of enslaved Africans here doing. And so what I've done is taken those moves and assign meaning to them so that someone can have a practice, right? So I have a a move that I call uh, Easy Runner, Easy Runner. And it's it's an Afrobeat dance. And it looks, it's the dance that you see a lot of Afrobeat people do where they look like they're running, you know, and they just kind of like, hey, 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 right? And so what we do in my, in my dance class when we're practicing it is channel all of that kind of same energy that you would do, that you might do if you were running around a track. Mm. Right? So we're dancing, but it's like, because the body doesn't know any difference. Like the body doesn't know you're not on a track. If you start activating your heart, your breathing, your, even your mind, and you go, I'm running, I'm running, I'm running your body goes, we run it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. It's the, again, it's miraculous. And so the same feeling now, of course, it's not the same feeling, you know, as, as actual running, but it is comes very, very close. 
right? And so what I tend to feel in my body when I'm doing that dance move is elevated heart rate, elevated breathing, and I sweat, right? And so, and, but I also am happy <laughs> because I'm dancing. There's a song on, I feel cute. I'm looking at you, smiling at me, and we are doing it together. And it's this whole other beautiful experience. I'm not now moving, dreading drudgery of running. I'm not now moving as a fat person worried about my joints. I'm not a disabled person sitting in a wheelchair and can't run because everybody else is running. We're all sitting in this space together, having this joyous collective experience of movement. And, and we're all aware of our bodies right now. And so that's the practice. It's like doing it together doing moves that feel fun and letting the fun and the joy be the goal instead of some of the other stuff that we're talking. Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, that makes so much more sense. There's, it's so clear that that is a health promoting behavior, but there's so many other practices that people will engage in, in an attempt to shrink their fat body yeah. in an attempt to correct their spoony body, you know, and it actually tears the body down yes. because of how flooded your body is with stress hormones when you do it. Are you tearing up your joints? Is it sustainable? And does it bring you any kind of joy or is it something you go and do all alone? <laughs> and then you come back home to eat a rice cake all alone. Like, is that really health promoting? We're communal people. And it ain't sustainable. Like, if I don't, pleasure is such beautiful medicine. Like, mm. it really is. I know all medicine don't taste good. But pleasure is one of them that do. Yes. <laughs> so, like, that is some, that's more sustainable if you enjoy it. And there's nothing hidden in this for me. I'm not hiding fitness inside of what I'm doing. I'm not hiding health inside of what I'm doing. I am saying very directly fat, black, and disabled people live in conditions that are not conducive to our wellness. This is a practice to support that. Support us so we can. Like, oh, that's, that's beautiful. That's how we doing. So is this something, tell me about your projects and how you're sharing this with other people. Is this something you also are doing remotely, especially now, or yeah. is this something you do more in person? So I do both you know, usually, usually there's a, a class here. I'm in the Bay Area right now. And so there's a class first and third Saturdays for 90 minutes. Then we have a whole kind of, you know, I think cycle, you know, it starts one way and it ends the, and it starts the same way and ends the same way. We do it in person. But during COVID, uh, during shelter in place, starting in March, I started doing it online only. And I've done online before. And so it's still first and third Saturdays most months i'm off this month i have a transition coming up in my life so i'm off for september but i am doing a really special event on uh, september 26th called sustaining black lives and embodied wellness retreat and so i did a series back in july where we met every monday and it's an opportunity for folks to come together in community like i'm you know and create this container for mm. us to be sustained together. So we're doing community care by being in space with each other and really doing deep listening and sharing and affirmations. We write. 
and we move. And we use concepts like ease, play, ancestral relationship, and a relationship to tradition and eldership. So those four kind of components coming together. And on the 26th, it'll be in a retreat. So it'll be from 11 to 2. And we'll have a little 30-minute break where folks can go eat, but we'll just be spending the day with each other, really kind of moving through those concepts for just to sustain us. You know, it's, it's hard right now for many of us, especially Black folks during this time. We're dealing with racism. We're dealing with medical racism. We're dealing with and these are things we've always been dealing with, but they're just really highlighted. Highlighted. It's been really difficult. I feel like a lot of people have reached their breaking point and depending on where you already were with your baseline stress, some people reach their breaking point very early. Yeah. But by now it's like everybody's done. <laughs> it's just so been too long. And I just see, I see in myself, it's showing up as like no amount of self-care or medication will make me feel okay because things are not okay. Mm -hmm. And just forgetting things and just feeling like I say I'm going to do something. And then I look up and it's been 10 days since somebody emailed me. It just keeps on happening. It's just like, oh boy, how long how long is this going to last? And what do you do when life essentially breaks you open? Right. And what will that look like as you try and put the pieces back together? I mean, it's a time of creativity and I'm seeing a lot of people breakthroughs and grow spiritually at a rate that couldn't happen in any other environment. Absolutely. But it's gnarly. <laughs> Month, I think it was around March. I was, you know, I was shocked because again, I had been meeting with people in person, you know, and then when it hit around April, May, I was like, oh, we in trouble. We need to be together and we need to be in our bodies. Like this, this actually ain't the time to get disembodied. Mm. So that is definitely a trauma response that most, many of us, most of us do. Uh, because if we're going to survive this and stay in this, we're going to have to be in our bodies. And I also understand that for many people, disassociation and being disembodied is absolutely a survival strategy. And it's one that I respect. But I took it upon myself during the month of May to do the, I did the class every Saturday. Mm. It's every Saturday for community. And it was just like, and I, you know, donation based so that we could just be able to, for 90 minutes, less smile and laugh enjoy do the jolly hop that's one of my you know the dances that I have us do and you know do a self-protection move and just all these ways of practicing again concepts that are e that are easy to like forget how to do and to be disconnected from when you're in such dire straits and so to if I'm if I can practice something that's called protection there's it's actually called I got me that's the name of the move and to practice, I got me, <laughs> you know what I mean? Even for 90 minutes, people have said to me, yo, it helped me get through the week, you know? And I'm like, so I want you to do it even when you're not with me, <laughs> you know? So yeah. that's, that's the next phase of this work is me really being able to provide videos and stuff to people so that they can have, you know, my voice and motivation, but so, so that they can 
again, like people practice Tai Chi and yoga so they can really have a practice that is theirs and they don't need the facilitator. They can really just be with this practice themselves. That's a beautiful offering. Thank you. So the retreat is going to be a one day event. Yes. But then the community offering and, you know, having that library, that's going to be something that you roll out later on this year. Yes, that's something I'm working on. My uncle is a music producer, so we're working on making sure that I'm not messing up any copyrights and that I have original music. But yeah, I'll have videos. Um, and class will still happen online, you know, first and third Saturdays. And, but producing those videos so that people can be learning and practicing and stuff on their own so that they don't, again, they don't have to be in class on Saturday. They can be, it could be Tuesday night and they're just tapping into, you know, the jolly hop, you know, or whatever they need from, from the library kind of, of movement. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Cause I do know that community is the antidote to a lot of our problems and it's been more of a stressor now because people don't have the same type of access to community as they did before. It's all a little different. Right. That's the other thing that I want to mention too. You know, we were talking a little bit about black healing October, you know, and that is an event that is being put on by reclaim ugly my, my dear friend, Vanessa Rochelle Lewis, who you know, is the, the kind of steward of that. And that's also, I think, the, the brain kind of thinking behind the way that that's being done during the month of October. So that's going to be just a month of healing workshops of all different kinds. I'm going to do my class during that month. I think you said you're going to be doing some, you know, some yes. work. Yes, I'm going to be doing one centered on using nutrition to tune into your body's cues, Yes, trusting your body wisdom, getting beyond fat phobia, which I really feel like is some colonial nonsense. Same. You already know, same. So yeah, so that that event too, I think it's like a, it's a similar, it's the community piece, you know, that I think Reclaim Ugly is doing a really, really good job of. And, you know, my group um, on Facebook, it's about 430 people in it. So it's still really small. I mean, that's, that's over the last four years, you know, because it's really been very Bay Area based until recently. Oh, and so that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, you know, here in Berkeley, Women's Cancer Resource Center is where I've held class on the first and the third Saturday. But now, you know, with the us being online, you know, there are a few people that attend from the East Coast and, you know, it's, it's still donation-based. I still don't charge for it so that it can be accessible in that way. And yeah, it's just- Where a, do you film at? Is it, do you still go where you used to do your class? I do it here in my room. Oh, wow. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. There's so many barriers we let stop us from sharing what we have. So was that even a thought for you or you knew that what you had to share was too important to worry about, you know, small details? Like sharing it online? Well, like, oh, I need a studio. Oh, I need extra lights. Oh, I need, you know. (laughs) I'm a, I'm an organizer. You know, I was trained to be an organizer back in North Carolina in my 20s and so something I think that it taught me is community so I never I've not taught in a studio 
I have only mm. ever taught at nonprofit organizations. So wardrobe for opportunity in Oakland was allowing me to use their training space and I would teach there. I mean, I would split the donations with them. And then Women's Cancer Resource Center, uh, I got a partnership with them from another project and they were just like, we don't charge people for our workshops. They just are open to the community. So they made it sustainable for me, but free to the community. So anybody could come as long as also the people that come to Women's Cancer Resource Center can come. So it was a partnership with Women's Cancer Resource Center over the last two and a half years. So I've not taught in a studio. So that is actually a new piece of the, the work that I'm gonna be doing is getting a certification, like a dance certification, so that when the time comes, I can teach in studios, but I've only ever taught at nonprofits. Oh, that's so cool. That's yeah. so outside of the, that's really finding your own way. Yep. <laughs> yep. And not waiting for someone to tell you how to do everything. Yeah. And I have insurance, you know, and all of that, like, you know, taking care of making sure that I'm safe, but that again, that is accessible and that it is about community that it's not, it's not. Yeah. Cause I, I don't, I try not to talk about what it's not <laughs> uh, and really just try to talk about like, you know, the community aspects of it, you know, that we're some of the same people come, you know, to, to the class. And I've even had sisters tell me, you know, 40 something year old black women who are like, I don't invite people because they ain't going to get it. <laughs> you know, they're going to come in and they're not going to get that. We're not just dancing, that we're doing something sacred. And that means something to me that that is, I'm very happy to know that that's coming across because I think that sometimes depth feels hard. And I'm like, this is something that's deep, but the deep part is the fun. <laughs> like, you know, we're doing it so we can have fun and so we can get in the practice of having fun. And if movement has always been triggering because of your size or, or inaccessible because of your abilities, you know, or, weird and culturally appropriative because of your race then you movement's hard for you and so really restoring like nah this is fun you know you and you get to be in a joy place when it comes to moving and sweating uh, right. for real, and and not really selling the kind of sweaty piece <laughs> right and i'm guessing from how you describe it that there's no wrong way to do the moves there's no um, wrong way to dance it's so funny we'll be doing a line dance and uh, I'll say, hey, remember the rule is just face the same way as everybody else. <laughs> like that, that's the rule, you know, it, especially, you know, for folks that are seated or, or that are in a mobility device, you know, it's like, you not, you going you, I tell them, you're always doing it right. Cause you always face the right way, you know, just really encouraging people to let's not take our bodies too serious. And at the same time, let's honor them, you know, and that's, that's how you get to that juicy place of joy, really, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Because I know you, people put so much pressure on people to be Black in a certain way. Come on. And so if you can't dance by a certain standard, you might feel like that's another one of those areas where you're not Black enough because you just oh, you can't dance. <laughs> I, love, I love dancing with folks that have that kind of, you know, belief. Because again, in my space, I'm like, oh, I don't believe in those rules. I just don't, I, I, I was taught by an elder, a, a woman who teaches West African dance named Queen Hollins down in LA. And she says, we dance like our tribe, you know, that, that, that 
you know, you there's some people you can see they dance real close down to the ground. You know, they kind of got the deep, deep moves. And you'll see some people where they dance kind of high. And she's like, that's, that's your tribe. That's your people coming through. So I, you know, I tell anybody, you know, I'm not doing, we don't do rhythm up in here. We do time. We're staying in time with each other. And we honoring that our body moves like this. So it's probably connected to our ancestors and we, we're honoring them, you know? So that's, that I'm not doing them black rules. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Where do people find your class? The Facebook group is Get Embodied Soul Dance Class. So you just look for Get Embodied. Not I'm saying you'll find it, but Soul Dance Class. And then the Instagram is get.embodied. Okay, and, perfect. Yeah, you can find the class schedule, the retreat that I'm having on the 26th. The information will be on there and then you know past videos on that instagram you can find videos of the class you can see that there are people in wheelchairs there are people using all kind of different mobility devices sizes shapes races we, you know genders we all in there dancing with each other you know oh, so i love yeah. it that's so beautiful thank you so much for coming on if there was one thing you could snap your fingers and everyone listening would instantly understand what would you offer them the real deep sovereignty that this body belongs to them. It's not a tool, but nothing other than to hold the life that's in it. That's what it's doing. That's what it's doing for you. And that's, doing, that's what it's doing with you. Y'all doing that in partnership. So yeah, we want people to really have that. You know, this is a partnership. It's a really divine, beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. I have really enjoyed this conversation and it went all the places that I didn't think it would. And then right back to where it <laughs> would. And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> What epiphanies did you have today? Please tag us on social media. Check the show notes for our handles so that we can share those. We would love to hear from you. I hope you will check out their work online because of the pandemic. Ifashina, of course, is still offering embodiment classes long distance. Also, if you are ready to start doing some work around your body image and your relationship to food and the body that you live in, I have one-on-one coaching spots open on the calendar right now. You can find the link for that in the show notes as well. Remember, the only fee for the show is that you share it with others. Anytime you like, review, or share the show, you're helping this message reach more queer and trans folks of color. Thank you so much for your help with that. I will see you next time. Thank you.